Welcome to Smart Healthcare Safety from ECRI, the most trusted voice in healthcare, committed to advancing effective, evidence-based care. I'm your host, Paul Anderson. Tens of thousands of healthcare leaders rely on us as an independent, trusted authority to improve the safety, quality, and cost-effectiveness of care across all healthcare settings worldwide. You can learn more about our unique capabilities to improve outcomes at www.ecri.org. This episode is part of a special series we're producing as part of the response to the COVID-19 pandemic. You can find more podcasts and other free resources on the ECRI website in our COVID-19 Response Center. We're recording this podcast from our respective home offices as we practice and encourage all of you to practice good social distancing and self-isolation. Today, we're talking about the role of transparency and notifications in aging services and why these practices are key in building trust with residents and families and reducing the burden on caregivers as well. To get us started, I'll ask our guest to introduce himself. Hi, Paul, thank you so much. My name is Victor Rose, and I serve as Director of Aging Services at ECRI Institute. It's truly my pleasure to be here with you today as we discuss some of these very care-critical and mission-critical elements around notification. So, you know, Vic, in a non-pandemic situation, in the, in the pre-COVID times, um, when we talk about notifications following adverse events, my understanding, at least, is that, you know, we might be talking about a lot of different things. Um, we might be talking about notifying regulators, like departments of health, uh, about notifying accreditation agencies, or maybe insurers, or even the families or representatives of people involved in an incident. A, if you, know, if you could tell me if I'm correct in that understanding, and B, what special scenarios come up in the context of the pandemic when we're talking about those notifications? Paul, that's a great point. And these types of notifications are absolutely mission critical for provider organizations, but also care critical in a lot of ways. So when we talk about noti notification processes and in, in organizations, um, it does encompass many, many things. Um, it starts with identifying that a particular event that needs to be communicated and notified about has occurred all the way through internal and external notifications, but getting the word to the people who need to know. And you know, even in the best of situations, a delay in notification can lead to harm. Um, it could lead to a delay in treatment. It could lead to other issues that actually um, hamper our response or create an environment where other adverse events or even similar events to others can happen. But you bring up a, a very important point in the second part to your question, and that's um, the notification process in regards to a pandemic or an outbreak like that, which we're dealing with today. And in these times, it's even more critical. Um, and, and that's for many reasons, but primarily because um, there are oftentimes, as is the case now, additional requirements for reporting. Um, because we're tracking data and needing to understand um, infection spread, positive testing. Um, we're building a base of knowledge on evidence-based practice around COVID-19. Um, the flow of information, accurate and timely information, is very, very important to accomplish all these goals. And on the personal side, um, with, with so much going on and so many care practices being modified, changed, or even stopped, 
um, as is the case with the stoppage of visitation rights in nursing homes and, and other aging services care settings. Um, communication and notification right now is just so very, very important. It needs to be transparent so that really we, we at least try to maintain an environment where everyone feels like they're working in the same direction for the best possible outcomes for persons served, in this case, our older adults, but also that so that trust is maintained. In some ways, and, and maybe this is naive of me, Vic, but in some ways, I think that, you know, the fact that there is a pandemic going on might make some notifications easier. In other words, what I'm thinking is everyone in the world knows that this pandemic is happening. So nobody, I would think, should be very surprised if they learn about something that's related to the pandemic. It's everywhere. Does this actually end up being the case in real life? Oh, Paul, that's a, another great point and a great question. Um, in this case, you know, while that seems very logical, I think you know this is such an emotionally charged situation that has so much ambiguity and so much unknown that um, we can't always say that notifications and mutual understanding um, is actually easier in this situation. When we think of all of the driving forces uh, and change care practices, change societal practices, um, it's just, you know, when, when these difficult notifications occur, um, or even sometimes the most basic ones, uh, I think they're more susceptible to being misinterpreted at times. Um, you know, assigning motivation for any delay or, or even a perceived lack of transparency in notification, um, because there's fear, there's unknown, there's prolonged periods of isolation. There's, you know, long periods without families actually being able to see their loved one in person. Um, so you know, there's so many things we don't have control over in this environment um, that, that do create uh, a more emotionally charged situation. So I'm not sure um, that it is actually easier today. You know, and that touches on, on something that we've talked about a lot, which is, you know, the emotional burden on... Um, you know, nurses and, and other caregivers caring for COVID patients. I mean, really in any setting, but maybe especially in aging services where, you know, my, my sense is that that isolation might be particularly hard felt. You mentioned the, you know, the cancellation of visitation uh, availability. If we are able to establish a, a culture of transparency and a culture where we're really on top of things with these notifications, is there any world where that can actually ease some of the burden on those nurses and other providers? Paul, I, I absolutely think that's the case. Um, and, and it's something we need to strive for here. You know, I think as we consider the stressors that are placed on residents and, and even patients in short stay units and aging services, we think about the stressors and challenges placed on families. Um, we have to take into account those same stressors that are placed on, on the workforce and the staff who are indeed taking care of um, both residents and families and really each other alike. So, you know, I think where we have um, well thought out processes to uh, complete notifications, uh, to make sure they're done in a timely fashion and to protect trust between all stakeholders as much as possible, I have to believe that does in in some ways at minimum uh, 
or if not more, help staff uh, fulfill these duties of care that you know every person is coming in and, and really trying to meet uh, through this pandemic um, with all these extra special extra special challenges that come along with it. And you know, you touched on on this, Vic. There there are so many extra stressors that are that are you know in play right now and from everything just I've observed, even anecdotally, they're, they're only growing and compounding every week that this goes on. Um, as we're recording this, we're in our ninth week, the beginning of our ninth week of, you know, our mandatory work from home. And I, again, I have to believe that these stresses are particularly bad for uh, people who have loved ones in aging services organizations that they're not able to visit. How can you know, this kind of transparency that we're talking about ease some of the burden on those family members as well? So Paul, I think that's a really important point as we consider um, how to create the, the most effective and safest and most trusting care environment we can. Um, you know, we've seen a lot of strategies come into play. We, we've talked a lot about what the new normal will look like as you know, we, we begin to have discussions in regards to recovery plans and normalization of operations, whatever that might look like in the future. Um, and no doubt, while some things will return to some sense of normal, uh, obviously this pandemic will act as a catalyst to um, have things change and, and new norms to be established. Uh, and, and I fully believe, you know, the use of technology um, whether that be telemedicine, telehealth, um, social media platforms, the important role that, that some of these technologies and strategies can play in, in helping to overcome some of the prolonged effects of, of this isolation and quarantining um, will become part of our, our healthcare system in a more um, natural, a more formal and, and real way. Um, almost to the point, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see telemedicine become the next healthcare setting, if you will. Hmm. Interesting. So, you know, with that in mind, uh, there are, you know, there are a lot of, as you say, a lot of changes afoot, some of which, and it can be hard to predict which of them will become, take hold as permanent changes and which will be, you know, sort of transient in, in the context of the pandemic and will start to ebb as things go on. So, you know, maybe what, what are one or two strategies that someone listening today can start to put into place to, to move their organizations in the right direction? And again, doing that in a world where we don't know what care is going to look like six weeks from now, let alone six months from now or a year from now. Um, but what, what are some starting lines at least? Those are really important considerations, Paul. And when we talk about a systems thinking approach, um, the, you know, at the very heart of systems thinking is um, identifying realities and factoring those realities into decision making and actions and, and life. Um, and, and we have some very real realities we have to pay attention to right now. And the unknown, the inability to predict certain things um, about the future and, and what that looks like in healthcare, the fact that there, you know, is an ever-growing body of knowledge about um, COVID-19 and this particular virus are all things we have to account for today, which means our actions and our planning have to be very fluid. Um, they have to change with information and learning as it comes in if we, if we want to be effective and drive continuous quality improvement here 
for serving our older adults and really all people across healthcare. Um, so I think, you know, first off, using um, time appropriately is, is very important. Um, many of us suspect that there will be waves of infection surge through this as we, you know, put certain guidelines and control measures in place as they're relaxed nationwide and even worldwide. Um, the likelihood of seeing some additional waves of, of increased infection rates exists. And it's really important for us to take time in between these waves to amend our practices, policies, to adjust training, um, and to learn from, from past experience as quickly as possible and, and reinstitute practices. I know in aging services, you know, we're learning a lot um, in comparison to other areas of healthcare about PPE whether that be supply chain management all the way up to which PPE to use, how to use it correctly, under what circumstances, and what are functional equivalents or safe replacements um, when we can't get PPE. Um, you know, that's, that's an area that I think we really need to focus on. I think also, um, you know, at the end of the day, Paul, this is still people taking care of people and understanding um, certain practices and, and the efficacy behind them will be really important for us. You know, some of the most da damaging situations we've seen thus far over the last nine weeks, as you pointed out, um, is when infection rates settle into both resident populations and workforce populations at the same time. And that often creates a situation where resident and patient care workloads increase sharply because of infection. Um, and at the same time, staffing and scheduling capability diminish sharply because of the infection. And so you get this kind of um, compounding effect where care workloads go up, staffing capabilities go, go down, and, and not to be forgotten are all the folks who, during those, those patient surges and care surges, um, with diminished staffing are the folks who are actually on the floor from all departments, all parts of healthcare, um, you know, who are actually delivering the care and, and meeting those needs day in and day out 24-7 on every single tour of duty. And Paul, this brings one other thought to mind. Notifications can be, can be very transactional. You know, they can be based on who needs to be um, told and put on notice about certain things and what are the time frames. But at the end of the day, there's a very human element to this as well. And in situations like the pandemic, you know, these, these conversations um, about very difficult and oftentimes um, life and death re related matters um, need to be given the respect that they deserve. And so organizations, um, not only, you know, do they need to review policies and procedures and amend them, but, but having these conversations about how to best approach these difficult topics and these difficult disclosures um, when you know you're communicating information that's difficult to hear um, really needs to be forefront during this time. So a focus on you know, complaint management and, and dispute resolution practices is, is really care critical as well. You know, Vic, I have to believe that you know, as we talk about looking forward and preparing for the next wave of this pandemic, or really in truth, the next uh, emergency of any kind, it, it might be really hard to take that step back 
while organizations are still in the middle of this. And I think they're going to be, it, it, you know, it varies in, in region by region, but I think a lot of folks are going to still be in the middle of this for quite a while. How important is the role of leadership in creating a space for some staff to do that, that proactive, thoughtful, systematic look, even at the same time as other staff are still, you know, very much in the thick of it day to day? That's an excellent point, Paul. When we talk about resilience in organizations and resilience in care delivery systems, um, we really do have to think about the, the um, priorities and competing prior, priorities that happen each day uh, versus the need for proactive analysis and redesign and reinstitution of practice. And, and most definitely, it is going to be a challenge right now to balance out those competing priorities. And it is a, a primary task or even obligation of leadership to um, help figure out ways you know, during these times to, to have that QAPI, that quality assurance and performance improvement process um, remain alive and well in the organization. To help with that, I think it's, it's even more critical than that providers, um, associations, uh, you know, health systems, families, residents, workforce come together and share these lessons learned um, so that everyone's not having to do these you know, redund redundant analysis and performance improvement practices alone. Um, you know, when we look at all of the forces at play right now, financial, um, evidence-based medicine, um, political, you know, there's so many things that are happening out there that um, are just changing every day. And, and if we can help each other sort through those things, find uh, best suggested practices to care for, um, not just our older adults, but all people across all areas of healthcare. Um, I think that's the only way that we're going to um, be able to take what precious little time um, exists and in, in these lulls, um, learn from them and reinstitute reshaped practices that help to improve care. Vic Rose, thanks so much for joining us today. Truly my pleasure and we look forward to future opportunities to discuss these very important um, healthcare and, and quality of care related topics in the future. Thanks, Paul. Learn more about how ECRI can help from our website at www.ecri.org, where you'll find our COVID-19 Resource Center with publicly available resources to help providers across the continuum of care. You'll also find our latest free white paper on incident identification and notifications. Be sure to subscribe to Smart Healthcare Safety on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts to get our latest episodes. We welcome your feedback please visit us at ecri.org slash podcasts or email us at ecri-podcasts at ecri.org.